man was driving across the country visiting churches. Started in California, went into a lobby. There was in that lobby of that church a phone, a golden pay phone. Sign above it, it said telephone calls to God. One minute, $10,000. He went to Chicago, Illinois, another church, another pay phone, golden, same sign. Telephone call to God, one minute, $10,000. He went to Washington, D.C., golden telephone, $10,000. He went down to Florida, another phone, same sign, one minute, $10,000. Went to Texas, same sign, came to Colorado, went into a church in Colorado, and there was the same golden telephone, but this time the sign above it said, unlimited talk time to God, 35 cents. He called a member over to the church. He said, hey, man, everywhere I went, it's been $10,000. Here in Colorado, I notice your church, it's just unlimited talk time, 35 cents. And the member said, oh, well, you're in Colorado now. Colorado is God's country. So from here, that'd be a local call. <laughs> I, uh, I love Colorado. I do. I mean, man, when Ann and I vacation in the summertime, we stay here because this seems to be where everybody else is going. And we get on a back road or we'll go to a state park or we'll find some place, you know, out of the way, kind of a, a, a cow pasture, kind of a golf course. But we love, love, love the state of Colorado. I love living in Colorado. God could have had us live anywhere, but he lets us live in the most beautiful state, I believe, in the United States, the state of Colorado, home of the Denver Broncos. Yes, the Colorado Rockies, the Avalanche, and some basketball team. But I'm telling you, this is a great place, and I love Grand Junction. I love it. I mean, guys, I know we live here, and I know, you know, we forget sometimes, but have you looked up at our skyline lately? I mean, to the north, we got the book cliffs, and the sun hits it at a certain way, a certain time of day, and clouds come over. Man, it's a different picture. Every day. You look to the east, we got the Grand Mesa. I mean, the world renowned. Flat top mountain of the Grand Mesa. And it is beautiful looking at it right now. You look to the south, we got the red rocks of the monument. And then you can look toward Utah. I don't, I don't know why you'd want to, but you could. <laughs> you, you could do that. But this is just a great, a great place to live. But I don't know that I'd want to live here if I wasn't blessed. I, I think... What makes living here so awesome is to live a blessed life here because this can be a tough place to make a living. It can be a tough place to make a good income to take care of your family. I mean, the cost of living is as high as where it is anywhere else and yet um, uh, are higher than what it is in other places, yet the income levels here are sometimes lower. And for many families that we know of, it takes two incomes, the husband's working, the wife's working. And on top of that, I mean, for most, there has to be an additional income stream on top of that. Somebody's got to have an endeavor into something else that's going to make a little extra side money if you want to have a little fun, go someplace, and just make ends meet. So living here can be tough, but I, I, I think it's really fun when you can live here blessed. I mean, if you're living here blessed, you've got something very special lined up for you. But I don't think it would be fun living anywhere if you weren't blessed. I don't think you could live on the island of Kauai, the Garden Island, or the Big Island of Hawaii, or even Maui if you weren't being blessed. That paradise could feel like a third world country to you where you're just getting by, just surviving. So I think the key in living in a really blessed place, a really good place, is to be blessed while living in that place. So that, that's who I'm talking to this morning. I'm talking to those of you that are living a blessed life right here in Grand Junction. 
And here's my message to you. Here's my message. What's the title? Uh-huh. Check yourself. Don't wreck yourself. Because if you are living a blessed life anywhere, that is the most valuable, important path that you can be on. And the last thing that you want to do is anything that would wreck your blessed, your blessed life. So now if you're in the service this morning and you would say to me, I feel like more like I'm surviving. I don't feel like I'm really living the blessed life in Grand Junction. Well, let's check up on a couple of things. We've been talking about them ever since you've been coming to Fellowship Church. Let's just make sure, let me give you the formula for living a blessed life. It's on the side screen. Number one, you got to be saved. You must be saved. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, and verse 1, see how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. So when you accept Christ, your personal Savior, then all of the promises of your heavenly Father now fall on you as his what? As his child. You become part of the family of God. Interesting uh, about that same verse, the Bible says those that are of the world do not even recognize those of you that are children of God. So he puts two classes of people in that one verse, those of us who are his children and those who are not. Well, that everybody's a child of God. No, they're not. And everything that, well, how come bad things happen to good people? Who said they're good people? If they're not children of God, God is not obligated to take care of them. Because you only take care of your own family. And God said, I have promises for you, but you must accept Jesus as your personal Savior. You must have a relationship with me and be in my family. And then all of the promises that I would give my children are yours. If your children come to me after this service is over and say, Pastor Hooper, would you take me home with you? Would you feed me lunch? Would you run me to the mall and buy me summer clothes? Would you take me to Disney World? Okay. I would ask them, do you have any legal documentation that says the name Hooper on it? And if they give me the answer no, my answer is no. Because I have, as a father, limited resources. And those resources are for my family. How about you? So our Heavenly Father, who has unlimited resources, says, if you are my child, all of it is for you. Can that, let me ask you a question. What's he going to do with it if he doesn't give it to you? He wants to give it to you. He wants to bless you, but you will not live a blessed life if you are not his loved child. And that's only through making sure you're safe. Here's the next way you've got to make sure you're safe. You've you got to be a tither. You must be a tither. Now, I'm not going to go into this because we talk about it all the time, but Malachi 3.10 tells you that God is either going to open up blessings for you or he's going to shut them off based on this question, are you a tither? That's it. He's either going to open them up or he's going to shut them off based on the fact that you're giving the first 10%, it's all his anyway, back to him so that you have proven by faith that he can trust you with more. Number three, I must ask my God. If I'm going to live a blessed life, I've got to ask my God that I want and tell him that I want to live a blessed life. There are things that I need, God, and you know all about those. But there's also stuff that I want. And you say, is it okay to ask God stuff you want when other people don't have much? I don't know if they're his kids or not. I don't know if they're going to ask him for it or not. But I know this, there's stuff that I want 
and I am his kid, and I'm going to ask him as my loving heavenly father, who it's not going to stretch him a bit. It's not going to bust his budget. It's not going to worry him throughout the night. He's not going to walk the floor wondering if he can afford it. I'm going to ask him to give me stuff. Now, as my heavenly father and not a slot machine, he is in the business of parenting me. Have you figured that out yet? We, throughout our entire lives, regardless of your age, are being parented by a good heavenly father who has no limit to his resources. And because he is a good heavenly father and he knows us, you can expect an answer to every prayer you ever pray. Pastor, do you get an answer to every prayer you ever pray? I have since I was 16 years of age. Every prayer that I have prayed my entire life, my heavenly Father has answered it. But because he's parenting me, many times he will say no. No. He, sometimes your heavenly Father will answer you no, no. The Oakland Raiders are not going to win the Super Bowl. They have ugly uniforms and they got bad attitudes. It's not going to happen. He'll tell you no. Sometimes like a father. Have you ever told your kids not yet. Not right now. Shh. Not now. Wait. Heavenly Father will answer you that way. And then sometimes your Heavenly Father will answer you, yes. When, Father? Not right now. Ann and I were on a road trip. We had gone down to see my mom, and um, this was a super long road trip. Went down there with a truck and camper, flew back for a couple of months, and then flew back down. Last month, spent a couple of days with her, make sure she had everything that she needed, and then we, uh, we drove back. And on the drive back, I told Anna, I said, listen, you are the navigator. Anna's one of those stop and smell the roses kind of person, and I'm like run over them to get on down the road type of person. So Anna's very much like she'll see one of those historical markers on the side of the road. She goes, oh, there's a historical marker. I wonder what it said. And I go, huh, I don't know. That's our life for 39 years. And so I told her, this particular trip, you navigate. You seriously tell me, what, if you want to stop to see a roadside marker, we will pull over and see it. I'll turn around and come back to see it. If you want to go down a dirt road and see what's down there, we'll go see that. No matter where you, we'll zigzag the whole country coming back to Colorado from Florida if you want to. But I won't have a say in it. Some days we went 50 miles. Some days we went 150. Some days we went 20. Some days we spent two or three nights there. And sometimes once, sometimes we drove right on through that. But I mean, we were just, we were just having, we were having a great time. Well, as we were coming back, we went through North Texas, and there was thunderstorms that were out, and I mean, it was like nationwide news. And these thunderstorms were producing tornadoes, and we both were from Texas, and so we understand tornadoes and all that stuff. So uh, we could tell that the clouds were low, and they, they looked like those clouds that could, you know, a movie would be shot in where a funnel cloud's gonna drop out of one at any second. And so we're, we're driving in the car, and I'm just talking to her, and while we're talking, I turn the radio down a little bit, Father God, I pray that you just not let a thunderstorm, you know, like a windstorm or anything bother us. And Father, I pray that, you know, no tornadoes would drop down near us. We wouldn't have any wind damage. And me and Anna are just talking. And I'm just talking out loud and praying and talking to the Father. Lord, would you please do that for me? And, and then, Father, I, I, there's supposed to be hail, hail in that. I don't want my truck all dinged up. Please don't let my truck get dinged up and that camper get dinged up. Please don't let that happen. Now, some of you are thinking, well, that's silly. It's just stuff. And I agree. It's just stuff. Buy more stuff, 
But I like to take care of the stuff God gives me. Matter of fact, this is how me and Anna feel about whatever stuff God gives me. We're to be stewards and managers of that stuff. Because when we're stewards and managers of it and we take good care of it, it tells God, thank you for giving it to us in the first place. So when you're steward over your house, your yard, your car, whatever it might be, you're saying thank you to God. If I were to say to you this, how many of you are, are graduating seniors? Would you raise your hand? Okay, cool. Congratulations, by the way. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Okay. Now, if I were to say to you, as a graduation gift, I want to give you the keys to my Jeep, my hunting Jeep, I'm going to throw you the keys to it, okay? This is in church, and this is an illustration, and I know I'm not supposed to lie, but that is not going to happen, okay? But let's just say I didn't sign the title over to you, and you just took it out of the book cliffs and wrecked it. And in two months, that Jeep that I love is sitting up on blocks in your backyard. You know what that would tell me? That would tell me that you could care less about the gift that was given to you. That's the same way with God. So when we, we pray about our stuff, God, please don't let my truck get dinged up and things like that. So as we, the wind got worse, the road was getting worse, tr- things were flying across the road. The camper's like fishtailing behind my truck, and I'm, we're going to have to stop, baby. So we look down the road, and there's this like hotel, I don't even know the name of it, just a hotel on the side of the, the freeway. And... Uh, it was about four stories tall. And so I thought, well, you know, let's go check in there. Let's get off the road for a while. So we pulled in, and I thought, maybe I can, you know, get someplace to where the wind and the hail went. I'll park under the lobby. But there was already tons of cars squeezing under the little lobby, you know, awning that was out there. And so I pulled in. There's cars in the front, so I couldn't pull, you know, across some parking spaces. And I went over to this side. It was full. Went around the back. There was a car here, a car there. So there wasn't where I could get the truck and the camper in there. So I pulled over to this side of the hotel. It was a long hotel like this. And I pulled in. There's nobody over there. No cars. I pulled in over there uh, at the end of the hotel, you know, this, this, square, this kind of square hotel or rectangular hotel. Pulled across, and we ran for it for the lobby. And the second we got in the lobby, you said, can we get a room? Yeah, we got one. And Anna said, can we get on the fourth floor? Yeah, let's get on the fourth floor. So they put us up on the floor floor. The second we walked into the room, bam, hail hit. And I mean, we were this close to each other, and we could not hear each other talking. It was hitting our window, building up in the window seal. It was pounding on top of the roof of the, of the hotel. And I mean, it was, it was rough. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, my truck, the camper, it is going to look like it had just been beat to guess with rocks. And so we walked out of the room, we walked down to the end of the, the hallway, we looked out of the four-store window down there at the camper, and God had us park in such a place that when the storm came in, the hail hit the building, this side terribly, pushed a lot, the doors open, they were shoveling out big, huge hails out of the first floor. We looked down there, and the hail was going around our camper and our trucks. Wait, wait, you go, I don't know if I can buy you a pastor story. Want to see a picture? Take a look at this. Show them the next one. Look at that. You tell me what you think that's doing. We stood there looking at that. We both had tears in our eyes. And yeah, it's just a camper and a truck. So what? But it was the fact we asked. And he said, okay. And some of you are thinking, man, I don't know if I would have ever thought to ask something like that. Why not? You don't have because you don't ask God. And you're not going to have a blessed life if you don't ask God to give you a blessed life.
Yeah. Well, there is a story in the Bible. First, you've got to be saved, you've got to tithe, you've got to ask, and then you live this blessed life. You get on a really good path. And once you're on this path, don't wreck it. Don't do anything stupid to wreck this blessed life path that you're on. Don't change it. Don't trade it. If you're tithing, don't stop tithing. If you're saved, live saved. I mean, you just, and you're asking God, keep asking. Well, he's not answering. Yes, he did. He told you not now. So keep talking to him about it. Bug him like a little child until you get another answer, either yes or no. But in, in the Bible, we have, we have this married couple. Their name is Isaac and Rebecca. And this is a cool thing. Rebecca can't have kids. So Isaac talks to the father and says, would you let my wife get pregnant? We want to have babies, and she really wants to have babies that to get pregnant. God says, okay. She gets pregnant with twins. So he doubles it, right? So he's, she's having fraternal twins named Esau and Jacob. Now, so here's the story, Genesis 25 on the side screen, take a look. As the boys grew up, Esau, and by the way, Esau came out first, just a few seconds before Jacob. Esau became a skillful hunter. He was an outdoorsman, but Jacob had a quiet temperament, preferring to stay at home. Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating the wild game that Esau brought home, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Oh, they had favorites. We all do. <laughs> we just don't verbalize it, right? Yeah, better not, better not. One day when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home from the wilderness exhausted and hungry. Is it up there? And Esau said to Jacob, I'm starving. Give me some of that red stew. And this is how Esau also got his other name, Edom, which means red. All right, Jacob replied, but trade me your rights as the firstborn son. Look, I'm dying of starvation, said Esau. What good is my birthright to me now? Do you think he really was dying of starvation? When the Bible says somebody said something, that's true. They actually said it. So the Bible is recording truth that they actually said it. It doesn't mean what they said was true, right? It's just true that the Bible said that they said it. That part is true. I think you could have squeezed yourself into the kitchen. He said, look, I'm dying of starvation, said Esau. What good is my birthright to me now? But Jacob said, First, you must swear to me, your birthright's mine. So we saw swore an oath there by selling all his rights as the firstborn to the brother Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. Does anybody know what the word lentil means? What is a lentil? It's a bean. It's a bowl of beans, people. So there's a bowl of beans, and Esau ate the meal. Then he got up and he left, and he showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn. Rights and privileges that come from being born in a family. Rights and privileges that come from being in a family. Oh, that is so nice. Thank you, God. Thank you that every generation doesn't have to start over with nothing unless you are stupid. Every generation gets to start where the parents left off. Or you are a very stupid person. Well, I'm just going to make my own way. I didn't know one. Nobody's going to give me nothing. Nobody's going to say I didn't earn this. Woo! You win the stupid prize. I want to start over with as far as my parents took it and take it from there and make it better. There's a story in the Bible where God uh, told the master to give uh, three of his servants talents, money. And he said, I want you to invest that money. He gave one servant five which today would be equivalent to like five million. Another servant, I think he gave three, and another servant one. 
When the master came back, the one that had five invested it and doubled it. The next one had three, invested it and doubled it. And the one that had one buried it in the ground. And the master said, wait a minute. I don't break even on anything. Whatever I give you, you double it. Wherever you take this job, wherever you walked in the front of that door, that, that business, you double what it was that the man before you did. You take the home that you were given it and you make it twice as good. You take, you take whatever God has given you and you double it. Breaking even to the heavenly father does not work in his kingdom. Because he knows what he's given you and he knows what he puts in you. He knows what he's invested. And everything you're to do, you're to take and to make it at least two times better. So here we go. This guy, this, this, this Esau, he says, he says, man, he says, I, I, I don't want it. And the Bible says he showed contempt for it. Now here's the sad thing. Many times if you read your Bible, you have seen the Bible refer to the God of Abraham. Abraham was Esau's grandfather. Isaac, who was his father. And you hear the Bible say the God of Abraham... Isaac and Jacob, but it should have been Esau. It shouldn't have been Jacob at all, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. But Esau traded that which was so valuable for something that wasn't. Well, you say, well, Jacob tricked him. That's what the problem is. Jacob was a trickster. Well, let me just say this. If you were to pull in here with a brand new F-250 Ford pickup truck, big wheels, big tires, lifted just a little bit, it's got all the bells and whistles, and you paid $55,000 for it. And I walk out there, and I look at it, and I go, hey, whoo, that's a nice truck. Trade you this slightly used handkerchief for it. I didn't trick you. I didn't trick you. You're just stupid. Right? So Esau, the Bible says, he traded his birthright. He traded that which was so valuable for something that wasn't valuable at all. Now, I don't want to be too hard on people because all of us have done something stupid. We've all graduated to the top of our class of stupid university. Every married man in here has said something stupid to their wife. Are y'all just going to sit there, ladies? That was such a great opportunity for you to go, yeah, that's right, man. Well, I, he, he, did it. he did it this morning on while we had coffee. Every man in here said something stupid. We should grab them words and just stuff them back in our mouth where they not let them out again. Every person in here has done something stupid. Every person in here has had actions that were stupid. And we wish we could have a mulligan. We could crawl back up on that tee box one more time, adjust ourselves a little bit around, and hit it again. We've all done it. But we don't live in stupid. We don't live there. Take a look at this on the side screen. I want you to read this with me. Never give away the next 30 years for the next 30 minutes. Uh, I didn't hear you. Never give away the next 30 years for the next 30 minutes. Everything in your life has to be budgeted. Power has to be budgeted. Your influence, how do you treat that person at work? If you're not going to treat them right, if you're going to manipulate that important person, then your power, your influence is going to be taken away. Money has to be budgeted. It doesn't matter how much money you make. If you're spending more than you should, then you're out of budget, right? And all of a sudden, you're, you're buying what you want, and you're begging for what you need. Sex has to be budgeted. 
You can't just have whatever you want, whenever you want. You're, what are you going to say no to? Where are you going to say no to? What are you not going to see? What are you not going to do? What are you not going to see? Sex had to be budgeted as well. You know what you're going to do? You're going to sleep with who you want, and then you're going to lie to who you need. Don't wreck the next 30 years of your life for the next 30 minutes. Oh, pastor, he was hungry. We all get hungry, and we all get lonely, and this too shall pass, and there will be other opportunities. But don't wreck it. Let me give you just a couple areas that are so important that I see people wrecking today. The first is a marriage, a marriage. It is so important, and it is so valuable. Ann and I now, we, we did 39 years. We were on the road. I think we ate at a Cracker Barrel on our 39th wedding anniversary dinner. I took it to Cracker Barrel, baby. I think it was Clovis, New Mexico. I'm not sure exactly where it was, but I said, baby, it's Cracker Barrel. <laughs> and the 39 years of marriage you talked about on this whole road trip, how important our marriage is. And there is nothing for the next 30 minutes with anybody that's worth wrecking that next 30 years. Nothing. See, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, I don't know if the verse is here or not. Do we have that verse in Ecclesiastes? The Bible says that your wife is a reward. And it is a good thing to receive wealth from God and good health to enjoy it. Everybody read with me. To enjoy your own, no, wait a minute, not that one. Do we have, oh, I don't have it. Never mind, it's my fault. Ecclesiastes 9.9 says this, 9.9 says that God gives you a wife as your reward for all the hard work that you do. So how many wives are in here? Would you raise your hand? God said you are a trophy wife. You are a trophy, a reward that has been given to your husband for him going to work every day, providing for his family. And then the Bible says, Proverbs chapter 31 that the husband is to reward the wife for being his wife. Here, here, I'm going to tell you there's a couple of things that I'm doing as I look at where I'm at in my stage of life. Number one, I am strongly supporting and pouring in to my son Dan and my daughter-in-law Amelie. I am absolutely 100%. Sometimes I'm helping him by getting out of his way, and sometimes I'm helping him by taking on jobs nobody else is doing right. That's, that's how I'm helping them. And here's the second part of my life. I'm going to spend the rest of it rewarding Anna. Married to me for 39 years. I'm going to reward her for that. That's, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. Because that is the most valuable relationship I have in the flesh. Here's another area you never show contempt for. Your work. Your work. The work that you do. The Bible says, now give me that Ecclesiastes verse. Everybody, I want you to read this with me together. This is Ecclesiastes 5. Come on, read it. And it is a good thing to receive wealth from God. Come on. And the good health to enjoy it. Come on, read. To enjoy your work and to accept your lot in life, this indeed is a gift from God. Man, never complain about your work. Do I have a quote up there? Let me see if I have a quote up here on this one. Uh, did I give you one back there? Okay, okay. Everybody read this together. Fix it or deal with it, but do not complain about it. Everybody, again, you've got to get, fix it or deal with it, but do not complain about it. Your heavenly father is parenting you, and you know one of the things that just drives him nuts? A complaining child. 
shut it. Either fix it or deal with it or shut it. Because when you complain, all throughout the Bible, God is more patient with bad actions than he is a bad attitude. You'll see the children of God doing all kind of crazy things, and then they'll get in their tent and murmur at night when nobody else is around, and God will show up and go, I heard what they said in their tent. I'm going to bring this on them. What about what they were doing out there at that, that party? They, I'm going to talk about what they said in private. That's what wrecked them. A complaining bad attitude will wreck you faster than bad actions. Ooh, come on now. And then let me give you the last one. You can never show, never show contempt. Matter of fact, do I have the do I have the uh, do I have the definition for contempt? Can we put that up? The definition of the word contempt, a lack of respect followed by a feeling of intense dislike. To treat something or someone of great importance and value as if they were not. Have you ever had a family member treat your family like it wasn't important at all? Stupid. And here's the last one. Come on, guys. Your relationship with God. Never show contempt for your relationship with God. Meet with him in the morning. Talk to him throughout your day. Ask him to help you, to forgive you, to equip you, to strengthen you, to guide you. And never let anybody mess up your mind when it comes to the way you feel and think about your God. James 4.8 says, come close to me. God said, and I'll come close to you. Come close to me. I'll, uh, I'll come close to you, he said. It's your move, baby. He'll parent you. But you can't treat him like he's not important. As Ann and I were making this road trip back across the country, one of the places that she wanted to stop was Jackson, Mississippi. When I was 18 years of age, just graduated from high school, uh, I packed up a truck, a camper, a trailer actually, with some stuff in it. Ann and I were engaged. I asked Ann to marry me. Then I went to Jackson, Mississippi to work for the first church that I'd ever worked for at the age of 18. Took a franchise of my dad's business with me, so I had a way to make an income. And I've always had more than one income stream, always. Most of the time in my life, I've had two and a half. So I, uh, I took some equipment my dad gave me, started a shop, started advertising, took in some work, working for the church. So I'm working. Another company hired me, so I went and worked for them too. And uh, came back, married Ann in April. Then we went together to this little apartment in Jackson, Mississippi, a mile away from this little tiny church we were working in. Well, Anna wanted to stop by Jackson, so we went to the same, went 39 years later, and I went back to the same church. It looked identical to what it did 39 years ago. She had the apartment in her head, which she's a numbers person. She can remember phone numbers, addresses from everyone we've ever been in. And so she, she put that in the GPS. We went to the apartment, a little tiny apartment in a very bad area of town. And uh, we saw it, and we said, man, remember that? Yeah. Went to the church, walked around, looked in the windows, and wow. wow. And we got to reminiscing, been 39 years. And over the years, we started talking about the people in our lives. And, and this is what she, I wonder where so-and-so is now. 
Remember so-and-so and so-and-so? Yeah, I wonder where they are now. Man, they were on fire for God. Yeah, yeah, I wonder where they are now. And so she jumped on a Facebook and started, you know, Facebook and some of these names. And, man, I heard this person wreck their life. Yeah, I heard this person on their fourth marriage. Yeah, I heard this person, you know, made some bad person alcohol. Yeah, I heard this person committed suicide. Yeah. And so over and over again, we, we remember people that were so on fire for God. Their worship was good. They started tithing, and all of a sudden, God started blessing them. And with blessings comes options. And when the options came, it's like they chose the options over the thing that got them the options. And then some of them started making excuses when they got out of church. They said, well, I don't like what's going on, or I don't like that, or they took too much about that. And somebody told me, oh, they don't care nothing about me. All they care about is money, and I got in my head. And they throw all these, these excuses out of why they got out of church and why they stopped doing what they were doing and why they got off that path, path of a blessed life. And you know why they got off of it? They were stupid. They traded something that was so valuable for something that didn't matter at all because of something somebody said who wasn't on a blessed path. Check yourself. Don't wreck yourself. You know what I know about everybody in this room? You will have a propensity from time to time to let your attitude go south. And your mouth will quickly follow. And that's when you've got to have, you, somebody's got to go, whoa, 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 whoa. You need to start speaking life back into that job. You need to speak life back into that finances. You need to speak life back into that child. You need to start talking like a blessed child of God. And I, last time I checked, my Heavenly Father wasn't worried about none of it, has the resources to take care of all of it, so why don't I just go talk to him and shut up? My mouth is causing me to almost wreck my future. Never trade the next 30 minutes for the next 30 years. Never do it. <clears throat> all right, bow your heads with me. Let's check up on ourselves real quickly now. Let's check up. How you doing? How's your marriage doing? Most important relationship I have in my life is Anna. I had my heart attack. She was there. She took care of me. She walked me through it. She fed me. I couldn't get out of the chair. She was there with food for me. She took care of me. I'm going to spend the rest of my life rewarding her. However much time God lets me have on this planet, I'm going to reward that woman. I'm going to reward her. She's important. She's valuable. And I'm not going to treat her like she's not. And there's nothing that I could see, do, touch, feel, or have in the next 30 minutes that will cause me to wreck the next 30 years. My job, my work provides for my family. I'm not going to complain about it. It's a gift. I'm going to love it. I'm going to enjoy it. If I don't like the atmosphere, I'm going to change it with me or I'm going to deal with it, but I am not going to complain about it. Mm -mm. It's too important. It's too valuable. Other people would love to have it. My personal relationship with God, he's the most important meeting I have every day. My coffee with him in the morning, that's the best coffee I drink all day. 
And I ask him to keep hailstones from denting up my truck. And I pray over a tree that I plant that it wouldn't die because that's an asset and I don't have to replace it. And it's work and sweat and hurt and all that. This is the most important relationship I have. And nothing and no one is going to damage it. Well, care what they're doing over there at my church. And I've got, I hear it all the time from people in other churches in the valley. Well, at my church, they don't be in. Shut up. Shut up. If you were running it, I wouldn't go there. So shut up. And never, never walk away from your relationship with God because of this excuse or that excuse. The only excuse you would have for doing that is that you're stupid. Amen. Bye, guys. Love you. Have a wonderful day. Congratulations, graduates.